What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one stage twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania. Bialica. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes. There's no Rich Ivanowski on here today, but we do have a member of the King's Herald here. We have Bryant West, friend of the show, draft expert of King's Herald. Thanks for coming on, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brendan. How are you doing on this lovely Wednesday evening? <laughs> I'm doing great. Clearly getting asked because the Celtics just... Uh, Went down 3-1 against Miami, and, you know, don't feel too hot, but I'm a Kings, I'm a Kings guy, right? Don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you hopped off that Boston bandwagon right, right when it, when things got tough and hopped on the uh, <laughs> most promising uh, upcoming team in the NBA. Huh? Yeah, very, very, yeah, Monty McNair about to, you know, end this playoff drought and <laughs> perennial playoff team. Yeah, we can hope. You know, there's a lot of mixed emotions right now, but uh, I can only say that as somebody who didn't do any extensive research into assistant general managers during this whole process, besides listening to the wonderful Jill Hayes, as always, um, I'm I'm optimistic. This guy sounds like he's really got the right approach to this, and uh, we can only hope that in a couple of years we're talking about the Kings in the playoffs. Like uh, like Boston, Miami, you know, two teams that really drafted well, really got the right culture that this team wants to build around. So I don't have any real reasons for pessimism right now, and that's kind of a an odd feeling for a Kings fan. <laughs> yeah, and p- probably a, a good way for the Kings to reach that point would be via the draft, and that's why we got you here today. You just put out a updated 2020 big board on thekingsherald.com, and I guess to start, do you want to – sort of clarify like I think that this is a king centric board we're talking right and then you have a different uh like general board as well yeah I do have a slightly general big board um as I wrote about in my piece I think really the only difference between my king centric board and my overall big board is that the king centric board comes with the caveat of please don't slow down the Aaron Fox um I'm very much a proponent of best player available in a vacuum, and uh, the clear exception is when you have a 
foundational piece of some sort now. And there's a whole bunch of disagreement among the King's Herald community of just how great a player De'Aaron Fox can be. Um, I definitely think that he is a player that uh, you need to keep in mind when you build around. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't take another initiator. Um, I've long been a proponent of adding another initiator next to Fox, as uh, my long Luka Doncic love proves. Um, But I do think that the singular difference between my overall board and my King-centric board is I don't really know that the Kings should take another six two or under initiator so high unless he is a dynamic off-ball player. So uh, that's pretty much the only difference. Yeah, so don't slow down Fox is talking about um, taking minutes away positionally rather than like a high pace. Yeah, well, both. Um, don't don't try to find somebody who is going to limit Fox on either end because uh, I also worry, you know, um, our buddy Rich Ivanowski, uh, who's not here to defend himself, has a lot of love for the idea of Cole Anthony. Uh, I've long said that Cole Anthony is definitely in my top 10 overall. He's number six on my overall big board. But I have him at 15th on my Kings board because I just really worry that while Cole Anthony does show some promise as an off-ball shooter, you just cannot – he can't convince me that Darren Fox and Cole Anthony would be any good on defense together. It would just be a train wreck on that end. And – I do worry that on offense, it's not uh, dynamic or enough size to really take away the weaknesses. So I think Cole Anthony is the best example of that. Um, the mellow ball is my other big difference. I've got him too on my overall big board. I think he's got a really uh, high ceiling if he ends up on a team with a smart coach that, uh, that helps him develop his shot selection and his shooting touch. But you could not convince me that even somebody who is as newly optimistic as I am about uh, Monty McNair and the culture that he hopefully will bring to this Kings team, you just can't convince me that this would be the right place for LaMelo Ball. It's just not going to happen, especially with Luke Walton still coaching. So uh, those are the two biggest differences. Otherwise, I'm pretty chalk. Um, I would very much love to see the Kings draft a, uh, a big wing in this class, uh, but that's pretty much my only difference. Yeah, and those wings seem a little limited. Um, just to kind of go through your board, one, two are nothing too crazy. You have Anthony Edwards sitting one and Onyeka Kongwu two. Um, yeah, Edwards being the ceiling guy, I'm sure everybody's uh, heard yeah. enough of about. And a Kongwu, I mean, personally, I would love a Kongwu on the team as well. I think it would just raise the defensive floor and ceiling of the team by so much Absolutely. having an anchor down there. And then we Good get man. to – the guy that Rich also is not here to tear down. So we really can <laughs> talk glowingly about your number three, Isaac Okoro. <laughs> well, let's let's just get the bad out of the way so that we can focus on the good. The real bad for Isaac Okoro is that he is a truly dreadful shooter. 28% from deep, uh, 67.2% from the free throw line. Um, and I truly understand if anybody wants to have him lower on the board in today's NBA, it's going to be seriously limiting to any offense, especially one like the Kings where the primary initiator isn't a dynamic shooter. Uh, to have a guy who is such a massive question mark as a shooter. But what I will say is that even with that shooting question mark, 
And I definitely think it's a question mark. I, I think he can become a better shooter. I don't think his shot is as broken as Rich does, but let's let's say that it is a bad shot. Isaac Okoro still has as high a ceiling to me as any player in this range. We are absolutely positive that he is going to be a very, very good defensive player. He's a dominant on-ball defender. He's probably got one of the best combinations of strength, explosiveness, and uh, motor in this class. And that's saying a lot because while this class isn't great in terms of skill, I definitely think this class has a lot of high-motor guys. Um, and Isaac Okoro has, can do a lot of things offensively outside of shooting the ball. Uh, he's one of the better uh, getting-to-the-rim players in the class, 89th percentile for shots around the rim. Um, he was dynamic at earning trips to the line. Now, some of that was because teams knew that he was only shooting 67% from the line. But, you know, it's better to be able to force your way to the line than not have any offense at all. And I think he's really a complementary offensive player whose versatility on defense will not let him get played off the court. And uh, if there's any chance that uh, he's going to follow the Kings or that he falls far enough where Sacramento can really consider trading up a bit to get him. He is definitely one of those players that I think in a couple of years we can really see as a, uh, I don't know about foundational piece, but, you know, a real serious cog in, uh, in a dynamic playoff team. Yeah. Where I'm at with, with a that I think we share um, in reasons that we have him pretty high up here is that like, Outside of the shot, or, you know, obviously the shot is a concern on the offensive end, but same as you, I mean, I think that he's going to be able to contribute offensively even outside of that. I think that, you know, he's such a big dude, like have him as the screener and put him in short roll to make decisions from there um, because, like you mentioned, he, he is a good playmaker. He has a nice handle for himself as well when he gets downhill. And impressively, like he was getting downhill on guys even when they were going under the screens. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that he does have – I'm with you in thinking that he has a higher floor than some people are giving him credit for, although I understand the concerns with the shot, like especially like the free throw percentage is what specifically scares me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm you, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. And then, and then Vassell is sitting four as well, which I think that Rich and I have talked on a lot, and uh, you're pretty – you seem to be pretty – on board with us there. And then, and then I want to ask you about Killian Hayes, who, who you have here at five, who is in my tier one on my normal board, but I'm curious. I mean, you talked about like, don't slow down Fox and Hayes seems like a guy to me that could potentially do that. No, I don't necessarily agree that he'd slow down Fox. I definitely think there is more of a, this having Killian Hayes this high to me is more of a overall talent and trusting that a player this smart with this foundational set of skills can be solid, especially when he doesn't come with LaMelo Ball's decision-making and need for the ball. I definitely think that the biggest question mark for Killian-Fox pairing would be that Killian's pull-up shot is pretty dang awesome, but he's really not proven off the catches. His numbers are not as good when he's a catch-and-shoot player, which definitely limits his immediate ability to play with a guy like Fox. So I get that concern, um, but I definitely think that Killian's combination of size, uh, secondary passing, uh, and pull-up shooter, like if he was going to Boston, we wouldn't even worry about him as a uh, 
as a, you know, that kind of off ball initiator. We just trust that development. Um, and, and trust that a smart team can always handle more initiators. So I think that at this point, it's just talent over anything else. I think that Killian Hayes is going to be a very good pick wherever he goes in the top 10. I don't think there's any chance he falls to Sacramento. But if the Kings were sitting at this range, he'd definitely be a guy I'd take a look at and trust that whoever the coach is for the Kings in uh, 12 months, they're going to be uh, better at figuring out how to mitigate players' weaknesses than uh, the current regime. And the one other aspect of like a potential Hayes-Fox uh, pairing, which, again, not likely, like you're saying, but how do you think that would fare out defensively to sort of smaller guys? I think Killian Hayes is going to be a really good defender, especially on combo guards. Um, I definitely think that as he gets bigger, he's going to – I think he's got enough size to get stronger. He's not the quickest uh, guy, and uh, he's not the most athletic player. So it's not going to be the most game-breaking defensive combination, especially if the Aaron never takes that second leap we've been waiting for for a while. But I definitely don't think it's a problem like uh, a Fox-Cole Anthony or a Fox-Lamelo Ball one a combination would be defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, that was five for Killian Hayes. Six, you have Denny Avdia, who... Again, Rich uh, Rich has Okoro, and Denny is two of the guys lower on the, uh, his last board. I don't know if he's updated since we recorded that last conversation. Um, but Denny, yeah, just absolutely versatile. And, you know, there's been some uh, some flashy little shooting videos going around <laughs> that uh, seem yeah. to be changing people's minds a little bit. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you see with Denny here? Well, I definitely think that he is working. And I said this about Mobamba a couple of years ago. The only thing he's working at harder than his shot is convincing people that he's working at his shot. <laughs> um, it's a very smart agent ploy because um, smarter shot experts than I have said his shots, his form has improved. Um, the numbers when the uh, when when he started playing again in Euro after the hiatus were impressive for a while, but then he went back out at the end. Um, I would say that his potential as a shooter is a real question. And I would also say that he needs his shot to translate more than other questionable shooters in this lottery do. Like, I'm sure that Isaac Okoro is going to be a, a fringe starter, starter level player. There's no question in my mind. If any of the shot doesn't come around, I can definitely see a world where he is at best a sixth, seventh man. Now, I don't necessarily think that there's any chance that he busts fully and is out of the league in four years because he's just too crafty, uh, high IQ player, good motor on both ends. Um, I I don't think there's a chance that he is uh, a true, true bust to the level that Rich clearly does. But I will say that I moved him down uh, from my last big board specifically because if his shot doesn't translate, I don't know that he is a starter-level player. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. In seven, LaMelo Ball, you touched on a get bit at the beginning. Um, Questionable fit with Fox. Eight, Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that... I believe you, Rich, and I are all big fans of, and yep. you know I think he just slots in fairly well um, as a combo guard. I really like his fit as in Atlanta alongside Trey. I think that it would work well alongside Fox as well. Um, and then you have James Wiseman nine, which might surprise some people to find him this low. Uh, do you have the concerns of you know not seemingly sticking to? what his ideal role may be or motor issues. What's kind of had you uh, sitting Wiseman at nine? Well, I just remember the first time you, I, and Rich had a, a podcast about these guys, and I had James Wiseman in the top tier, and, and you said to me, you know, I've watched these games, and I'm just not sure what he is on either end of the court. He doesn't look like a guy who knows his identity. And at that time I was like, oh, he's too big. He's too strong. Some smart team's going to figure it out. But – I'll fully admit that I'm not one of those guys who goes back and watches high school tape. I, I, I have never really gotten into it. I don't really know how to assess these athletes against high school tape. So as I've continually watched the three Memphis games, I've watched them too many times. It's not healthy. Um, and I've watched his highlight reels of, you know, the, the, the highlight film of him working out in the gym against a uh, uh, gym level athlete. Uh, it just scares me what he thinks he wants to be and what I think he needs to be. Um, I think he could be one of the best uh, rim runner pick and roll bigs in the league. Um, if you could convince him to play the Willie Cauley Stein role that we really wanted Willie to accept a couple of years ago, I think there's no chance that he's a bust, but he's definitely a guy who thinks he can hit these silly turnarounds and he's the floor spacer um that uh i don't know i i I don't know how good his shot has been i don't know how much work he's put into it Uh, he's definitely been away from the collegiate film watcher's eye for a long time um but i will say that i am not confident in what he wants to be offensively and i'm not as confident on his defensive upside as some of the professional scouts are so I think there's a good chance that he ends up with some smart team in the top five. Um, if he goes to Golden State, for example, I don't know that that's the pick I'd make for sure, but uh, I would fail to see how a team that smart and who has that set a foundation of here's everybody's roles, we're going to do this together, let's go. James Wiseman will be an all-star. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but 
if he goes to some struggling squad that doesn't have that foundation in mind and he thinks he's Giannis, I mean, there's definitely a big chance for disappointment. Yeah, Sacramento definitely fits the latter. Got to be a team that he's going to be willing to buy into, and it's hard to have faith in the Kings being that team. And then 10 here, you have have Patrick Williams. Are you coming around to to upside? Yeah, you know what? I'll give you and Rich credit. Um, Back when you guys did your podcast about Patrick Williams, I was knee-deep in in watching – Devin Vassell tape and and what I've jokingly told you since then is that there was never a game where Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams were both having good games so I was late to the party on Patrick Williams but as I've watched more and more tape uh, and if anybody wants to go watch some Patrick Williams tape go watch the UNC game it's just fantastic I've really turned around on what Patrick Williams can be in a smart patient uh, team that you know has a real need for a big wing and that fits the Kings to a T. Um, I do think that we need to accept that he's a project player um, and he's unlikely to provide more than a high motor defender and an all right shooter in his first year. But the good thing is, is that those two skills are skills that any team can put on, that can find time for. Um, I don't think Patrick Williams is going to come around and be unplayable for 18 months. Uh, he's six nine guy who's pretty explosive when he's got the time. Uh, I think he's an excellent rim protector, uh, a really good rebounder for his position, and a good shooter. Flashes pull up shooting ability. Um, if you combine his uh, collegiate numbers and his high school numbers, it, his shooting numbers look a lot better than they did in uh, in Florida State. So I think that uh, taking a gamble on the youngest American player who flashes the ability to be a real 3 and D big wing when that's what this team needs would be a really smart pick for Sacramento. Again, we've reached a point of guys that really could be on the table with the Kings selecting at 12. I think uh, Pat Will's a real opportunity and a guy that we've come around to. And then sitting here at 11 and 12, you have Tyrese Maxey and Kyra Lewis. And again, I mean, these are combo guards that do seem a little repetitive with Fox, so I just kind of want you to get into the pairing of those two guys alongside Fox. Sure. Well, I definitely think they are more combo guards than um, Cole Anthony or Lamelo Ball. Um, Tyrese Maxey was even the secondary initiator at Kentucky. He was playing alongside two guys who were much more uh, traditional point guards. Um, and it's also really fair to say that while playing at Kentucky, he was surrounded by some of the worst spacing among major uh, major teams in the league. Um, there was exactly one Kentucky player, Emmanuel Quickly, who was an above-average shooter who got a serious amount of playing time. So when Tyrese Maxey's shooting is in the question mark, I definitely think that you know his true catch-and-shoot ability was going to be um, seriously limited there. Uh, Tyrese Maxey to me is the ultimate combo guard. He's a guy who can be a secondary playmaker, but he doesn't need that to provide value. Um, he's a real attack the basket kind of guy. Uh, and to me, his best value is that he is a, a Marcus Smart light kind of point of attack defender. Uh, who's, an, he, he's got an intensity and motor that really has a chance to be a culture maker. Now, 
add that with the fact that he already has a relationship with Aaron Fox. And I've been convinced by a lot of really smart draft uh, experts that this really could be a fantastic two-way pairing if Tyrese Maxey's shot comes around. So um, I've really watched a couple Kentucky games recently and I've grown a lot higher on the idea of Tyrese Maxey, even if his shot is still a question mark. But um, as I was joking to you before we started recording, um, there's a real history in the last couple of years. Uh, Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, all these guys who get selected in the mid to late lottery from Kentucky uh, all come in with, you know, well, this is what we knew they were at Kentucky. Let's see what they can do in the NBA. And each one of them makes a serious jump with some unheralded skills that we didn't get to see at Kentucky. It's almost a joke at this point. Calipari hides his players' skills. So if there's any chance that Tyrese Maxey is that next guy, I definitely think that uh, in, a, in a couple of months, he could be a guy that, you know, he's 11th on my board now. He could make that ranking look stupid. He could make it, he could be much better than that. Yeah, definitely a guy that I think could end up being one of the steals of the draft, especially, you know, uh, New Orleans, Boston, I think San Antonio, um, kind of all yeah. these teams around Sacramento. Um, he, he could be a really good fit in Orlando, who needs a uh, a point guard, obviously. I think they're in a pretty good spot. And then, and then yeah, moving to 13 here, I'm surprised to see that you have Obi, to- Obi Toppin uh, this low. Is I think we probably share the same concerns, but I I mean to me like the defense. Uh, Rich and I debated this a lot on the last one. I think that in the regular season he'll be fine, but in a playoff series, Toppin would get absolutely destroyed. And I guess like for the Kings, that might I, I, the value of that might vary a bit since it does seem to be like playoffs is the goal. But mm-hmm. I don't know, just such a glaring weakness in Toppin. Really, it's funny because like a Coro has the glaring weakness of the shot, but like he does other things on offense. Like we talked about, like Toppin is just a zero on defense. Yeah, well, I got two points there. One, um, I definitely think that these playoffs have shown that you can survive with defensive first, uh, offensive question mark players uh, when they are such dynamic defenders like there's a reason that Jay Crowder gets as many minutes as he does even when his shooting fluctuates there's a reason that Lou Dort broke out in such a big way um, even though his shooting was very much a question mark Um, smart teams know that you can play questionable shooters in the playoffs Um, and I don't think you can survive with questionable defenders and where I disagree with Rich like I see all of the offensive upside I definitely think that he's that Obi Toppin is the best offensive big in the class. Um, and if you told me that he was going to become a neutral at worst defender, then he'd be much higher than this. But I, I'm not even sure that he is a, uh, a regular season level defender. I mean, I, I really don't want the Kings to draft another zero on defense, especially if that guy's a big man. I don't think this team has the insulation defensively to, uh, to survive that. Um, I, I worry that, uh, that his level of, uh, questionable defense goes beyond just instincts and, uh, you know, fixable, um, fixable quickness and hip flips because I don't think Patrick Williams is the quickest defender, but I know that he's got a 
twice the defensive instincts as Obi Toppin. So I'm, I'm much slower on Obi Toppin. Um, if you told me that he was going to end up somewhere that already had, you know, a defensive squad around him and really just needed a real good scoring punch at the four or five or, a re, you know, just a really, really good bench scorer, then I think he'd be a really good player. Um, but I am very much, I'm clearly looking for defenders in this class for Sacramento. Um, something I've always favored evaluating Sacramento's needs over the last couple of years. So that's why I have top in 13. Yeah. And you know, if he's there at 12, uh, it would be something to ponder for sure, but I have the same concerns. And then 14, you have Alexei Pokusevsky, who we have dived into a lot with PD before. Um, yeah. Probably don't need to get too much more into him. And then, well, I will, I yeah. will say just, I will say I, you and I and Rich all were serious um, Poku doubters. Uh, and, PD's uh, appearance on the pod really kind of helped me uh, put his weaknesses into real context. Um, and over the last uh, couple of weeks, as the King's front office has been restructured and uh, there's a chance for a new culture and the possibility of a new development staff and a new head coach in, uh, in, the, in, in the long term, uh, I'm definitely risen on the idea that Sacramento could be a fine fit for Pokushevsky. Now, um, I definitely think that he is a very risky player, not so much in terms of his skills, but does he come with the mental toughness uh, to transition to a league that's just going to be much harder and much more physical than uh, he's been playing in? Um, and is he going to end up with a team that has the right physical development staff, like PD kept talking about, um, I don't know about that Sacramento, but I definitely think that there is a better chance that Sacramento could turn Poku into a really, really good player than there were a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the transition play that he pointed out really uh, was interesting to me as well. Yeah. And, and and yeah, I think that part of the reason I like Poku and Pat Will so much is that, you know, this is a new front office and it would just point clearly towards, okay, we're retooling, we're getting younger, like we're focusing on say, 2021 draft. Um, I, I would just love what I feel like that would mean for the team going forward. I think you, it was in your Sadiq Bay piece that you pointed out uh, this draft selection will tell a lot about the front office's ideas moving forward. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's there's these upside guys, and then, yeah, you have 15 Cole Anthony we touched on a bit. And then, yeah, you have the, the sort of safer options, right, in Sadiq Bay and Aaron Neesmith at 16 and 17. Yeah, um, you know, like you touched on, uh, I'm definitely the guy who in, in the Kings range is more, more apt to go for the higher upside guys. Um, I, I definitely think that this draft will tell us a lot about what McNair thinks about this roster and, and how long term he's thinking about this rebuild. Uh, I know he said in his press conference today that he wants to be flexible. Um, but I definitely think that this draft will, really show us it'll be the put your money down kind of moment uh follow the decision making he can say all he wants that the goal is to make the playoffs but uh we'll really see how apt he is to really continue that party line when it comes to pick number 12 um and if he goes with Sadiq Bey I, I don't think I don't share a lot of uh uh giraffe twitter's pessimism that Sadiq Bey is just a, a you know a 
a bad pick at 12. Um, I definitely think that he is a smart defender, uh, a high field player who excelled as a playmaker and was clearly a fantastic shooter. Um, but I think he has become slightly overrated by the Kings fandom because uh, he's a great catch-and-shoot player, and that is a clear need for Sacramento, but I don't think he is ever going to be able to create his own shot um, the second that he changes from catching and shooting to trying to create off the dribble, his efficiency just tanked. Um, and where Patrick Williams, he and I, I just wrote about this in the Patrick Williams piece that I'm hoping to pump out in the next week or so. He, uh, Patrick Williams and Sadiq Bey share a same weakness where they are not the most agile defenders on the wing. And while that was fine in college, that will not be the case in the NBA. And both players will really need to end up with the right development staff to try to help unlock their hip flexibility so that they don't just get burned by guards every possession. But I think the difference for me between Sadiq Bay and Patrick Williams is that Patrick Williams is twice the explosive athlete that Sadiq Bay is. Um, and to me, that is where I'm going to trust Patrick Williams to develop into a much higher defensive ceiling than Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay's got excellent uh, in my mind, defensive IQ. He knows where he needs to be, uh, and uh, and he knows how to guard guys. But I don't necessarily know that he'll be able to guard those guys, even if he knows what he's doing. And uh, for Aaron Neesmith, um, I'm clearly not as high as a lot of uh, Kings Twitter is on him. Um, I believe in his shooting, definitely not to the uh, rate he shot this year. Um, but I think that above average shooting is the only thing I am sure of in his game. Um, I think he wants to be a good defender, but I think he's also the most questionable defensive instincts guy, uh, wing of the guys we've talked about. So uh, I'm not incredibly high on Aaron e. Smith being the pick, um, and I definitely think if you want to go for uh, shooters, there are going to be a couple later in this draft or maybe even in the second round if the Kings are lucky that could help out here. But uh, Aaron e. Smith would not be my pick as well. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Yeah, and those are most of the guys that are really going to get strong consideration at 12. I, I, in my mind, it's likely one of the <laughs> we've already mentioned that, that go to Sacramento there at 12. But you do have some interesting ones listed here. 18, 19, 20, Jalen Smith, Josh Green, and then Precious Achua. Um, for starting with Jalen Smith, I mean, you, uh, I thought you were the, the original hype train. <laughs> there, apparently it's Kevin. I was educated. Uh, properly that yes Kevin and and you both uh 
have been all about Jalen Smith for a little while. And and my question for, for these guys, Smith, Green, Achua, is I, I agree with the range you have them. Is it crazy to take them at 12? You know, this is a draft where you could tell me that the Kings take anybody in this top 20. Or, I mean, even R.J. Hampton. If the Kings selected R.J. Hampton, would you be shocked? I don't think I would. Um, uh, I don't. I wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you know, any of these guys, especially with a GM who, you know, we're really going to be figuring out his mentality and uh, and and how he looks at drafts and how much research he's put into these guys. At this point, if if he selects Josh Green, I'm going to be ecstatic because oh wow, somebody really believes in Josh Green and the turnaround that uh, they can turn his uh, his minimal offensive game into something workable and his defensive motor is excellent, yeah, it would be incredibly easy for me to get really high on Josh Green if they took him at 12. Same with Jalen Smith. Um, lesser extent for Precious Achua, just because I'm not I'm much lower on his overall shooting ability than either of the two guys I just talked about. But there's reason to be optimistic about Precious Achua. Um, we're seeing in the league that really prioritizes and needs uh, defensive bigs who can switch on the guards. Precious Ochoa has the speed and tenacity to handle those guys. Now, I don't think he's got the offensive upside to really belong at the pick 12, but um, this isn't like the last couple of drafts where some big surprise is going to floor me. Um, any of these top 20 guys, if the Kings pick them at 12, even the ones I've got this low, I'll shrug and I'll say, you know, there are reasons for optimism. Um, I have reasons for pessimism, but uh, I believe that any one of these guys could really be a solid starter on a playoff team. So it's not crazy to me. Yeah, and then you uh, you hinted at some of these other ones right here. 21, you have RJ Hampton. 22, Leandro Balmero. I think those are two guys that are likely first-rounders, and I, I would – I would say Sacramento probably does not end up with those. Um, and then yeah. our buddy Nate is crying now. I know. Balmero. He loves Leandro. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then 23 here, you have uh, Xavier Tillman, a guy that I'm a big fan of. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I, I don't think it's likely, but like that's a guy that maybe Sacramento could look at at 35. Um, and, yeah, that would so, be great. I think actually probably your next four guys, like a lot of the rest here are considerations for 35, I feel like. Um, more uh, Definitely sure more than nice. they are 12. Yeah, um, yeah. It sure would be nice. I mean, I like Isaiah Joe. I've got him at 24. Um, um, if he's there at 20, 35, oh, that's he, a home run. I, I thought that he had pulled out. He did, and then he came back in, and then he pulled out again, and then he came back in. Okay. I literally think he did it twice. Yeah. Um, but I was glad that he came back in because, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who really, really worries that his college basketball is going to happen this year at all. Um, uh, I, every time I see the college football team has uh, canceled the game because seven of their players got COVID, I'm just like, how, how are you going to – how are you planning to do college basketball? Right. That's crazy. So I'm glad to see he's coming back in. Uh, I hope he goes somewhere smart because he's not the best defender, but that dude, when he, he's locked in, like he probably weighs as much as I do, uh, but he sure cares about defense. So I think he'll be a lot of fun. Um, 
Desmond Bain is 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 the best shooter in the draft. Uh, if he's there at 35, he'd be a steal for Sacramento. Um, mm-hmm. I have long been a Killian Tilly uh, believer, which is still weird for me to say as a St. Mary's grad. Um, but I, I, I do like the idea that uh, my mid-20s are, are guys I'd really love the Kings to take at 35. Yeah, and it doesn't seem crazy. Like, I think that, you know, Bain and Joe are guys that uh, draft Twitter seem to be pretty high on, but I don't know, judging from, from mocks of people that seem a bit more plugged in, like, it wouldn't surprise me if, if those guys were there at 35, uh, Tilly with the injury concerns as well. And then you have Theo Maladon at 27. We just did a profile on him recently. Um, and Clearly, I need to go listen to that because when I was – I've only watched two Theo Maladon games, and I don't think that that is enough to really uh, have enough of an opinion. So I was you so go listen to that podcast. I, I was so <laughs> shocked. He definitely doesn't seem to me to be a rich type of player. Yeah, like it seem it kind of screamed to me like a Denny situation where it's just good at everything but not great at anything, and yeah, I don't know. Like I just we paired him with Riller, and I expected Rich to be all about Riller um, because he seems to me like as a you know really values the offensive end of the ball, and and Riller's just dynamic on that end with like a questionable. Um, competition level, but yeah, Riller seemed like more of a mallet of a rich guy than Maladon to me, and I was surprised <laughs> that it was flip flop there. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you have Maladon 27, 28, Jaden McDaniels. Um, so I, I feel like last time we talked, you had him lower, no? I had him 25 on my last board, and I okay. definitely thought that when I put my next big board out there, he wasn't going to be in my top 30. But every time I think about Jalen McDaniels, it's well. Some smart team could figure it out. Uh, and uh, as I said earlier, um, I'm not quite so sure that Sacramento can't be that smart team anymore. Um, I would bet on Jaden McDaniels being as optimized in Sacramento as he would be somewhere else, but uh, I don't think it's out of question. Um, as, as we talked about in our big pod last time when we talked about Jaden McDaniels and Josh Green, I think that the best thing for Jaden McDaniels is to be drafted outside of the lottery so that he doesn't come with immediate expectations. Uh, so swallowing that pick at 12 might be a little tough, but um, if the Kings targeted him and traded back a little bit, then, yeah, I, I think there is an avenue where he fulfills some of the upside that people think. Um, I definitely think that he's still a player who's being overrated because of his draft um, hype and, and his videos and Look at this 6'10 guy who can shoot off the dribble and, and might have some bounce. Um, I definitely think that there needs to be a lot more context to his profiles than is being given. But I don't think it's out of the question that he could become a solid player in soccer. I just wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, and please not at 12. Please not at 12. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's pretty much the takeaway. Yeah. Um, and then, and then yeah, Tyrell Terry, 29, a guy I like uh, – Malachi Flynn, 30, and that that's where your board ends there. I will say, like, Rich and I, when talking pick 35, we're definitely eyeing a lot of potential backup point guards. Uh, the mentioned mm-hmm. Terry Flynn. Uh, I think him and I both really liked Trey Jones. You know, there's a, 
Cassius Winston around this range. What do you think of the backup point guards that you're working with this in this range and specifically like 35 for Sacramento? You know, if the Kings don't take one of the combo guards at 35, I, def- I mean, sorry, at 12, um, I definitely think they can find a really solid backup potential for De'Aaron Fox at 35, uh, whether it's one of those guys you mentioned. Um, to me, Marcus Howard might be uh, one of those guys that we really need to take a real look at. Um, he's an, an absolute microwave, stupid, good shooter. Uh, I definitely think that he could be one of those instant offense guys who comes in and really solves Sacramento's bench scoring issues. Uh, I don't know that he's the right pick at 35, but maybe with one of the two later picks. Uh, Nico Mannion, I'm not as high on him as uh, some of the other Kings Herald guys, but he's definitely worth considering there. Um, Sanjish would be upset with us if we didn't mention Peyton Pritchard, a really smart uh, guard who played at Oregon. Um, I definitely don't think that he has the same um, upside to me as Malachi Flynn, uh, but he's definitely worth considering there. Uh, to me, um, one of these guys would be an excellent pick at 35, uh, unless one of the combo guards that we talked about earlier lasts that long. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're – you and I specifically are not all too far off. Uh, we both definitely have a little bit of a crush on these uh, defensive guys. And yeah. I, I really – your point was interesting of, you know, this playoff showing the value in some of those guys, even to a lesser extent like a Derek Jones Jr. is getting minutes in the mm-hmm. conference finals, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so it seems like, I guess, to kind of wrap up here – what you're looking at for 12, am, am I right in thinking like there's there's this clear tier of guys um, and then you reach these few wings with upside or floor ones or combo guards and it seems like you're kind of, you're, you're valuing upside right now, right? Yeah, I am. Um, honestly, I think my goal for the Kings is if one of these top 10 guys falls to 12, don't overthink it any one of these guys could really be a solid fit in Sacramento. Um, but in that range, if, you know, you tell me uh, Patrick Williams or, or uh, um, Sadiq Bayer on the board, yeah, I'm going to go upside. I'm going to take the home run swing. Uh, you wrote a really good piece about a month ago on the 2021 draft. Um, to me, the right foot forward for Sacramento is just to swallow another tough season and accept that uh, this isn't a team currently built to really make a playoff run and doing so is only going to uh, harm the possibility that this core can be a real playoff threat in a couple of years. Take the high upside guys, um, develop them slowly, fill your bench with uh, the uh, second round picks that you get this year, utilize Stockton as best as you can and go into the 2021 draft knowing that there are going to be a ton of wings and a ton of really promising forwards. And even if you don't get a top, you know, you know, even if the Kings end up like pick six or something, you're still going to get a player who would be one or two in this draft. So um, I think you and I definitely agree on that that's the right foot forward for Sacramento. But as we talked about earlier, it would really be interesting to see uh, how our new general manager assesses the rebuild he has in front of him. Yeah, definitely on board with you. Um, and, and yeah, it was good to kind of walk through this with you, Bryant, as Rich and I are getting back into more of our profiles. We'll definitely have you on the more on the show more here in the near future, maybe a 
I think we're trying to do a monthly mock, and maybe we get you in on the next one here. Um, but yeah, I can't thank you enough, Brian, and everybody definitely check out your piece that you're working with at thekingsherald.com. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. It was a lot of fun, and uh, always happy to talk about this draft that never ends. <laughs> definitely, and and if you enjoy Kings Herald, definitely support the Patreon there to support independent Kings coverage and. If you enjoy the King's Folds podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.